you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm late. I'm late. For a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com the Around the NFL Podcast. America's number one export to the UK. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis coming to you from a room filled with some heroes, a virtual room. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Yeah, you know, we love the UK, but we, we love all the international listeners that are out there. Australia's, you know, been coming strong lately. Canada, all of Europe, Sub-Saharan Africa. Come come with us on a journey. This is such a, it's become a Greg trope. Every month or so, Greg uh, picks out, this time it was five or six nations. But normally it's one nation that he'll pander to for two or three shows in a row to collect, <laughs> you know, fandom from said nation <clears throat> And I see completely through it. And I'm sure any, you know, sentient listener will see the same. This is way on Mark's radar. Remember how mad he got about the Canada thing? This is... Well, because it was... Both of you jumped on that. This is one of those things. You you give yourself away in what you notice in others. You have all these sort of internal thoughts here. And it's like... No, I appreciate our listeners. Well, and, and, just, see, you, and you it's have not, no, you have nothing happening internally in terms of caring for others. So you're giving yourself <laughs> away. It's utterly absurd. Like we're complete I, I opposites. Like, I'm just saying the UK. Oh, they this get is going to be a good show. So sometimes I, I feel bad. I feel bad. It's like there's more than just those Brits. We love the Brits, but there's there's more. Well, I'm sure they'll survive. They're, you know, it's we, they've not been mentioned for 1,300 shows. Uh, you know, and we've gotten this far. All right. Of course, the Around the NFL podcast is presented by the United States Marine Corps uh, because we love America, too. We get the whole world. We just want to put our arms around the whole world and give it a hug with football, and especially during these trying times uh, for Earth, the whole thing uh, with COVID-19. And unfortunately, it has now officially impacted the 2020 season. The Steelers and Titans scheduled to play on Sunday have been postponed indefinitely so it's up to the schedule makers to figure out how to make that work and now we just cross our fingers that there are no other uh issues COVID-19 related to other teams that might be connected to uh the Steelers to the Titans uh who had multiple 
positive tests uh, and it has continued to the numbers continue to grow as the week has progressed all the way into Thursday, which prompted, of course, the decision to postpone as opposed to playing on Monday or Tuesday. Greg, uh, where's your P scale on COVID-19 right now in the NFL season? I think all the rules they have have made sense, and this is them following the rules. So if this happened once every month that they had to move a game around and it wasn't a gigantic outbreak right now, I think, what is it? It's five players and a few more uh, on their staff. I don't know. You you have to expect it. It's still happening everywhere around us. You know, we, we so have one one is your pants are totally dry, no problem. Uh, ten pants soaked. Got to get to the bathroom. Hopefully, have a change. Uh, where are you at? One to ten. <laughs> I'm gonna say five, just because it's more like a global thing that the, the the postponement of football games in the larger scheme isn't got me. You know, not too much pee about that. I've got I got bigger concerns. No, why you always do that? You always try to like say, my children. No, I'm saying if game. they move, a, I'm talking if about they move a game league. around every month. I'm not. I'm personally not that worried if they're doing everything they can to make them safe, okay. which they are. So I'm not. I'm not too. Worried. How about you, Mark? I'd put it higher. Just be. I. You know, for me, it was a. It was. It's a gloomy development because the first. You know, the training camp into a non preseason. You know, rush to week one, week one, and week two, week three. Great. And then this happens. So I, I guess, like to Greg's point, they're following all these protocols and it has worked, but this still occurred. And so right. it becomes a more raging wild card for me than it was. So the pants or the underpants, um, I'm wearing a bathing suit actually right now off camera, but that's, right. you know, there's a, it's damp, it's damp, but, but it <laughs> is a bathing day. suit. So yeah, throw that right in. And to be back. fair, it, it didn't really work that well because t- at least one and multiple Titans players um, uh. you know, played that game with the virus. Um, so that, that's a problem. My, my favorite, because we miss Chris Wessling, we wish he was with us right now. My favorite pre-marriage West thing was every once in a while he'd turn up for a podcast, like looking dapper, dressed to the nines, he'd be wearing maybe some khakis and a collared shirt with a pullover sweater, just an outfit you haven't seen a lot. And he'd be like, Wes, why are you so dressed up? He's like, oh, uh, all my clothes are dirty and I haven't had a ch- chance to do the laundry, so I had to get my fancy clothes out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for Lakeisha. Um, yeah. Love you, Wes. All right. Here we go. Week four, one less game, unfortunately. Uh, because of what we just discussed, but still plenty of pigskin to dig into here on the Around the NFL podcast. And you know how we do it on the Thursday show. It is draft style. And picking first, Greg Rosenthal. Wow. Feels like a no-brainer given your uh, fan leanings, but uh, you take the podium and make your announcement. Doesn't matter who I'm rooting for. Uh, the Patriots Chiefs with Tony Romo on the call is the game of the week. Ooh. Anyways, I mean, th- this Patriots team is fascinating. They're so different. Their defense is not playing well. But on paper, they kind of have the offense that can take advantage of this Chiefs defense. Right now, the Chiefs are struggling against the run. They're very good against the pass. So what do you do? You, you bring in the Patriots offense that is so diverse in terms of their running game. And oh, by the way, they take Damian Harris off of IR. A lot of people expected him to start at running back for them. James White is now back with them uh, in practice, so we'll see if he returns to the field this week. And you think about what their offensive line is doing right now. It sets up well for that strategy that's like, well, you got to shorten the game against Patrick Mahomes. I I always thought that's kind of a sucker strategy because, you know, like losing shorter is still losing. 
you have to outscore them, you know, in the number of possessions. That's sort of presuming you're a worse team than the Chiefs, but I guess I guess that's okay. Most teams should presume they're a worse team than the Chiefs right now. I would just I mean the Chiefs though score quickly. I mean, it's not like if you go and pull off a six and a half minute drive if you're the Patriots that that's really going to lessen what Kansas City can do. I mean, how many games have we seen them explode for 21 points in eight or nine minutes? I mean, it's just, that's who they are. At the same time, I like the matchup of New England. Like last week, it, it was such a tell. Bill Belichick talking about Darren Waller all week. We didn't get a lot of that this time around, but you know, you can tell he's always going to try to erase Tyree someone. Kill. They, they, a little they bit have of Tyree really Kill. shut down Tyreek Hill over the years when they've faced So there off. you go. I mean, but, but it always is going to be one person he's going to try to eliminate. And you go from there. But I was watching a Belichick game from back in like 1994. And to Greg's point on offense, he was using three or four running backs in Cleveland. When I thought it was just one with memory, he was using three, four, five guys. So he's been doing this for a long time. And the way they adjusted against the Raiders last week tells me that they will completely, from a mental side, they are the perfect match and showdown with Andy Reid and what he's doing with that Cheats offense. Some incredible stuff happened against Baltimore. Here's the difference uh, this week. And last week of the Patriots, you shut down Darren Waller and you're in good shape against the Raiders. And uh, Matt Money Smith on our power rankings program this week uh, pulled up some tape that I loved uh, that shows, again, how Belichick uh, is so great at this. He knows the game better than anyone that they were double team. They were double teaming the check down uh, for Derek Carr because they know that's where Derek Carr looks almost immediately, especially if Darren Waller is is having troubles. Uh, But you can. Good luck. Good job. You Let's say, you, hypothetically, you take Tyreek Hill out of the game. What's made the Chiefs such a special offense is that that's just one piece of a superstar a stew on the Kansas City offense. And what you have with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, Travis Kelsey, Nicole Hardman making plays, uh, Sammy Watkins. You have so many choices for Mahomes, and you know he's going to find it. So I think... I think that is the difference there. And then the other point of it is for me, guys, is that, and Greg, I, I had my fun in the offseason. The Patriots aren't special anymore. Well, this is the game, Greg, where if they go into Kansas City and uh, beat the Chiefs, I, I'll throw up the white flag in mm. before uh, in Too the first early. week of October. If they can do that, then I'll know that this is still a team that absolutely is in the mix in January. I don't think they're there. I think the Chiefs are going to have their way because I don't think the Patriots are special. But let's see. I agree with you. I think this game came too early for them. I think there's a chance the Patriots evolve into a really dangerous team. I I don't think they've expanded their offense enough. And then, oh, by the way, this is the worst defense they've had going up against the Chiefs team. So Mahomes has struggled in the past relatively against Belichick, and and it's very relative. But right now, Stephon Gilmore is struggling. Like, Stephon Gilmore had the worst two games of his season to end the regular season last year. He has given up a lot of plays this year. He has a number of penalties, but he has penalties on plays where he knew he was beat. So Gilmore's struggling. They're giving up a lot of plays uh, through the air. They, they've just been an okay defense. I would say a below-average defense. Chase Winovich is playing well, but... It's tough. If you don't have a pass rush, I don't care how good your secondary is. And if you're not, you know, getting into situations where they're in third and long and they can blitz, then they just don't have many guys other than Winovich, who's fine, uh, that can beat you. And if you give Patrick Mahomes time, it's just, you're right, Dan. It's just like choosing the way you want to die. That's how you play the Chiefs. And one of the reasons they had to switch to that run-heavy attack against the Raiders was they didn't have a wide receiver in that game. with more. They had one with more than 30 yards. They do not have a lot of weapons in New England at all. That said, uh, the Chiefs' defense has been one of the most generous against running quarterbacks this season, and some of that trailed back last year. So it sets up well for Cam Newton 
you know, and plus these Patriots, they got little Ernie Adams tucked away in his cave somewhere <laughs> coming up with something Ernie right with now. You. Well, no, it is because it's like we forget about him. And it's like, well, wait, suddenly, how did Bill Belichick with an undermatched roster pull off this upset in Kansas City? There's always Ernie Adams with his little glasses sitting up in a room you devising a plan right now while we're talking away that we have no idea what they're going to do. You would think if Ernie Adams was truly the architect behind the Patriots dynasty, they would do him better than putting him in a cave. I mean, put him up in a someplace, <laughs> a, a Cape Cod or something. Get Martha no, Junior, do something. You don't put him to in the light. Him. You keep him in the dark because he's just down there with his little computers. Well, that's not how it works here. <laughs> and one more thing before we move on. Let's give some love to the Chiefs defense because it's always all about the Chiefs offense. And that's fair because it's uh, an iconic level offense led by the best quarterback in the world. However, uh, this Chiefs defense held Lamar Jackson over 100 passing yards. The Raven on Monday night, the... Uh, leading receiver for Baltimore was J.K. Dobbins, who had 38 yards in a safety valve role. Uh, they they kept uh, Lamar got his yards on the ground, but it also they didn't let him run wild. They did a great job of that. The Chiefs' defense is good. I'm not saying it's close to what the offense is, but it's good and it's a deadly combination. Spagnolo. Got the history against Belichick. Hasn't really done, you know, great, I would say, in Kansas City against the Patriots. But he he's a game plan coach. And sometimes he can come up with a game plan that the other team just has no uh, recipe around. for. That was the case last week. I've come hey, around. Rosie. He's doing a good job. He's a champion. You're a over. You're, it sounds like you're getting. When Eli hoisted the trophy it's been among a while. the confetti. It's been a while. All right, Mark Sessler, you're up next. Now, I teased earlier in the week that you had to be – ready because your favorite team the browns are playing the cowboys and in the draft format of this program could you risk uh, letting them drop because the old zeuser might need to make a football decision on sunday and take that and risk the loss of our friendship so right now you still control the board and the narrative you're up well, you hinted at that, and I, I, I took the hint seriously and i also you know i i think this is legitly a, a good game right here Cleveland goes into Dallas, and for me, what I want to see is I think this game tells us a lot about first-year Browns coach Kevin Stefanski because you've won two in a row by playing Browns football from, like, 1964. You've got the only two, the only team in the league with two backs with 200-plus yards and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They've been great. And now you go into Dallas, and the only thing is if you watch what Seattle did, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, against the Dallas secondary Aren't you tempted to unleash the ball, unleash Baker Mayfield after two games where he really hasn't, you know, he's been, no, I, wouldn't, I don't want to use the word game manager because I think he's played well, but they have been a run team. Why do you not air it out against a secondary that got absolutely flamed and has been flamed week after week? It might be mm. the game that helps Odell Beckham get back in a really good mood, Jarvis Landry. My question is if you can trust Baker Mayfield to have that kind of game. I mean, we just haven't seen it this year. He was really clean against the Bengals. But it hasn't been these sort of Matt Ryan 400-yard performances. This may be the game that begs the breakout because I don't really trust Cleveland's secondary, even if they have Denzel Ward, to shut down what I think is the best group of wide receivers in the league in Dallas. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think Baker, the last two weeks, he reminds me, it's like his post-game interview. It's like this buttoned-up Baker. The, the way he's playing the game, isn't, doesn't, it feels like the real Baker is underneath. He's being held down. They're barely throwing the ball. 
50 times in two weeks is outrageous. And the way to take advantage of this Cowboys secondary, which they don't understand what's going on. Like Mike Nolan is running his graduate level, all these crazy blitzes and different coverages. And every fifth play, there's some huge bust. And so you look at that, you're right, Mark, on film, and you think we attack, attack, attack. And I, I think you'll only get so far running it as heavily as they have. They have to get a little more out of their passing game. So it, it's a big show-me game for Baker. I was curious what you guys thought about the Browns in week three because I watch a game and Chubb jumps out, obviously, because he's a star and he's a closer. Uh, I didn't think they played that well against Washington and, I, and and they took the they were trailing in the fourth quarter and they got the big plays and they got the gift of some Dwayne Haskins interceptions uh but it's the Cincinnati game of primetime was a fun game that got them back on their feet I was expecting them to kind of trounce uh Washington and it was way closer and less impressive than I thought it would be so I think this is a game and I know the desert people like the Cowboys a lot as well uh, that they're going to have to play better. And I'm on the same page as both of you guys. To do that, you're going to have to have more balance, especially when you're playing a Dallas offense as good as they are. If the Cowboys and Dak Prescott go up, let's say, 14-3, and you can't lean on the, the two-headed mo- monster in the backfield, is your passing game ready for that challenge? Well, and nor mm-hmm. should you. I mean, you have Odell Beckham. You have Jarvis Landry. You have a great group of tight ends. You can throw to Kareem Hunt. You can throw to Nick Chubb, too. I mean, you've got to diversify. I am with you on the Washington game. I think what happened a little bit, they had a terrible third quarter. I like that they stuck to who they were in the fourth quarter, came back and got the win. They didn't completely lose themselves, which you saw a lot last year and over the last 25 years, frankly. But this is an acid test for their offense. So, Dan, mm. I think you're right. You need to see more. I would say I watched a little mic'd up week three action with Baker Mayfield, and he wasn't the guy he is in front of the, the press. He was all Good. lit up and talking to people left and right. So I don't think that he's quite – I don't think we completely have like a body snatch scenario here from Baker Mayfield's <laughs> own personality. <laughs> they, they, they have, though, with the Cowboys often. I mean, it's been a lot of Russ, letting Russ cook talk this year. How about letting Dak cook? I mean, you can tell Jason Garrett is no longer on that staff when they start a game throwing the ball six straight times and he's throwing it 50 times. They have three receivers on pace for more than 1,200 yards. Michael Gallup might be the best receiver in this game. I mean, he is so physical. He is so fast. He is playing as well as Amari Cooper, as well as Odell Beckham, certainly. Like, the way he can get catches at the catch point, like, in a tough situation, I really love what I'm seeing out of him. When CeeDee Lamb can be your... Third receiver, that's that's a great situation. Or Cedric yet, Wilson scoring two touchdowns out of the blue. I mean, right. they've got – they're loaded. Yeah, that guy was a fantasy nightmare for people, uh, but good job by him. And yet with the Cowboys, like, here we are again. They're one and two. They're very – they're an onside kick away from 0 and 3. And the defense is a, an, has been a travesty so far. And you just – you just wonder whether all that summer of hype again was talking about an 8-8 eight and eight team. I mean, they've allowed, what, about 80 points, 78 points, and close to, I believe, 800 yards uh, of total offense in the past two weeks alone. They just they need to be so much better than they are right now. <laughs> they get Tyron Smith back this week, but you're right. The defense is harder to figure out. They have the guys on the defensive line. Jalen Smith, at linebacker, you know, that should be the identity of this defense. And he's struggling. He really misses Leighton Van Der Esch next to him. So, again, it's a game I think you're going to have to score if you're the Browns. All right. I am up next in the draft. So I will go with, oh, it's going to be a great late Sunday. Because not only, so you're going to put, I'm going to have two screens up. So I'm going to have 
Pats, Chiefs, Romo, Nance on the big screen. And then on my monitor, I'm going to have Bills at Raiders. And uh, mm. I think the it's Bills good are look just... behind it, your tech scenario over there in Hansis Manor. Uh, yeah, there's a little <laughs> peek behind the curtain here in uh, Pandemic uh, Central. But yeah, the Bills are kind of must-see TV right now because of the way they're playing and the game they're coming off against the Rams, which was just wild when you watch that game, how they jumped out ahead, how things flamed out, and then the recovery. And uh, and I got some heat from Bills fans because I thought it was a little fraudulent to get super pumped up about Josh Allen's final touchdown <laughs> drive when he was essentially bailed out by a suspect pass interference call. But also that's not necessarily fair because he did – uh, convert that third and 20 and then got them on a, on a second third and forever, which he was responsible for with the face mask, but still uh, getting them to fourth and eight, which set up the, uh, the PI call. And then he made the pass to Croft. So like, yeah, I mean, look what Josh Allen's done. He's still doing the stuff that occasionally drives you crazy, but every he's just such a, they, we entered this year, like, Oh, if he could take the next step, the Bills he's could doing be a Super Bowl team. He's taking he three steps. I mean, let's face it. He, he He's a guy that is to be game-planned and feared for. Uh, and now you go to the the Raiders at at the – what do they call it? Not the Black Hole. At the – The Death Star? The Death Star, which is a, which is a Star Trek reference, of course. And it's just no, like it's right. I don't know uh, – no, I know, Mark. It's Star Wars. But uh, I, I just think the Raiders <laughs> are frisky. They're going to be frisky in their building this year. And it's another mm. test – for this Bills team now at three and zero to continue to stack stack wins against the Raiders team, where you don't really know which team is going to show up. You love this Bills team, Mark. I mean, you can just enjoy it. You say, you know, walk your walk. Right. You know, take a premature victory lap about Josh Allen. You know, nothing could go wrong the rest of this season. Enjoy. What do you mean premature? <laughs> premature. I mean, I'll roll with him week to week with the way he's playing. I mean, I guess should I be getting more excited about Derek Carr and the Raiders who, hey, you want a chance to beat New England? How about don't turn the ball over three times and one mm. of them in the end zone when Derek Carr is dropped for a safety, loses the ball, and it ends up being the game-sealing touchdown for New England. The Raiders are an interesting team. You know, we all know about Darren Waller. I love Josh Jacobs. We've talked about it week after week. But they are not a team that's going to go in and beat teams like Buffalo and New England with a lot of mistakes. They just aren't. And, and, and if you want to scout against their offense, you've got three-plus decades to look at what John Gruden's done on offense because it's not really changed a bit. <laughs> well, it's good, though. I, I'm not Wait worried about his that, play calling. That's not fair. Come on. I mean, Why are you he, coming after Gruden? Presents... We were just singing his praises exactly seven he, days he presents ago. Presents when it works, it works. Defenses. When it works, it works. But you can't go and put the ball on the carpet three times. They totally well, melted. That, they totally that's melted That's a little fluky, but part of it is injuries. And uh, I think that's a huge story in this game, like most of these games this year. Uh, the Raiders are missing both of their rookie wide receivers. We know Ruggs is out. We'll see about Brian Edwards. But that that removes a lot of the speed that they were really expecting to have. They haven't had Trent Brown in a while, the right tackle, and his replacement, Denzel Good, was a big part of that problem, was a big part of those fumbles, Mark. And so you you look at that matchup, and then you you think about, can we keep up scoring against the Bills? Devin Singletary is a guy to watch this week. I mean, everyone got excited about Zach Moss before the season, but he he is no Devin Singletary. Singletary just has the vision and the moves that that's rare. Like he's not that fast, he's not that sudden, and yet he is so effective. I think it's because he just sees the field well. He's like a young, uh, smaller Frank Gore, and man, he can run well. And uh, the Raiders, to me, 
Tony Romo was talking all last week. Oh, wow, they have great effort. Well, that's fine. They they don't have the talent on defense. This is not uh, a good defense. Uh, to Mark's point, too, all right, the talent isn't great on the defensive side of the ball, but they were moving the ball against the Patriots in New England early on in that game uh, and just weren't playing clean enough football. You can't go to Foxborough and be putting it on the carpet and getting drawn off sides on fourth and two and all that stuff. You just got to be sharper. Uh, to beat a Belichick team. But uh, I love this game because it's a nice test. It's a litmus test for the Bills. How good are the Bills? Because they can go on the road here and not have their best game and lose 24-20, and it's fine. They're 3-1, and one and they'll go on. But if they go there and just whip up on the Raiders, it's like, okay, we might be actually dealing with a potential superpower in the AFC. Uh, so I'm excited to see how that goes. You want to lock that game up, by the way, that we just talked about, Greg? I true? do. How did you? How did you know? I don't know. I all that, all that doubt from Josh Allen, well, and then I'm locking up the Bills. Bills Nation, stop! Uh, Bills Mafia, stop coming at me. I just locked you. All right, there you go. They're still going to come after you. Okay. All right. Moving on. To, uh, snakes to the old zoo, sir. All right. So I beautifully set up my late afternoon with two really solid games. So now I'm going to take. A game of intrigue early. I also don't have the Jets on my plate. They're already out of the way on Thursday, so nothing to make me depressed. I'm going to love this Sunday. Uh, so let's go with the 2-1 and one Colts at the Chicago Bears. Uh, the undefeated Bears at Soldier Field uh, with Nick Foles now as the starting quarterback. And uh, let's let's face it. like Nobody bought into the start of the season to the Bears when they were 2-0. and oh. And even last week, you know, they get to 3-0, but the Falcons are just like a morgue of, of a football team right now. And it's just really sad and they don't know how to close games. So a little bit of fortitude there. But, you know, I, I think that Nick Foles makes this team kind of interesting now. You spot them three wins. So he takes over a team now that's 3-0. and And I don't think they're by any stretch a, a you know a real difference maker or a team that's a Super Bowl contender in the NFC. But you can't discount them, especially with Foles has shown us in the past. So you have Foles, and the other side of it is the Colts, who to me are very interesting because you don't really know. We talked about this on Sunday's, last Sunday's podcast, Greg. Don't really know what to make of them so far. They had that kind of old-style Phil, Phil Rivers loss in week one. And the last two weeks, the schedule has lightened up, and they've taken care of business and been kind of a ball-control, defense-oriented team. Uh, where do you stand on this one, Greg? I, I like the Colts because I like them up front. But you're right. I don't know who they are. Offensively, th- that's especially true because they didn't have to do much against Minnesota and the Jets. This is a game, though, where you like the Colts offensive line to win the battle against the Bears' best players. Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn. They've been a little up and down this year. The Bears' defense has been good overall, but I think you look at that side of the ball in the trenches, and then you flip it over to the Colts' defense. You got DeForest Buckner playing outstanding. This could be a team with two top five lines. Like, Philip Rivers has never done so little to win two games. He's loving life. And the, the football heads tell you, you, you'll win the game in the trenches, Sesla. That's the Indianapolis Colts way. <laughs> what is your well, voice? I listen, to those, I, I listen to those football heads, especially when they, when they sound like that, Greg. I, <laughs> I needed the Bears to become something different than the Mitch Trubisky-led Bears. It's just my personal bias. I found them dull. Um, I still don't know if I need this much Cordero Patterson in my life. I'm not, maybe I need to be higher than on David Montgomery than I am. But I tell you what, Nick Foles, it wasn't just he came in and beat them. They overcame a lot. He threw a bad interception in that game. Uh, they had some weird calls. They punted a couple times out of the gate. 
Then he got hot, and it really reminded me of the Nick Foles when he gets that little magic wand touching his head. Suddenly, bang, he becomes this completely different player. So the Bears arrow up on their intrigue, but I'll tell you what, I like the way this Colts uh, matchup lines up for Indianapolis, and I have to do this. I have to Mm. lock up the Indianapolis Colts in this game because I just cannot imagine an undefeated Bears team. You know what? I thought the same thing last week with the Bears. When they played the Falcons, and well, I was a genius for three and a half quarters, and they got me. I almost locked this one up too, Mark. I think it's a, a really solid lock because I think the Colts, especially what they've shown on defense, and again, small sample size, you got to factor in the opposition, but statistically, they're the number one defense in the league right now. And if Rivers can just play smart with Jonathan Taylor, I think they're going to win a lot of games. And the Bears, kind of like what I was saying with the Bills situation this week. If the Bears lose, they're they're going to be all right. Like they're, the the sense of I'm not saying they have less sense of urgency, but like the this feels like it sets up well for the Colts to go get a W. The Bears go home, or they they're still at home. They're like, all right, we're fine. We're three and one. And the Colts are somebody now we start to talk about as an AFC player. Colts are thin though. You know, I, I I'm curious how this offense does against a good defense. Now they're not just missing Marlon Mack, and they miss him because Jonathan Taylor's not quite seen holes. He's having the problems a lot of rookie running backs have. The game's just moving a, a little fast for him. They're without Paris Campbell. They're without Michael Pittman. So we we were very excited about this young group of playmakers around Phillip Rivers. Three of the most important ones aren't there right now. So they're, they're a little more limited, and that's why I, I'm with you, Mark. I think the Colts are going to win. I thought about it, too, as a lock, but I think you're going to be white-knuckling this one. This just feels like a low-scoring, close game that the Colts get it. You know, it, yeah, and Dan's talking about his multiple TVs and all this other stuff at his house and how fun it is to be watching, like, five games at once. When I'm doing that, and I'm, you know, at the same time, I'm dealing with a lock that's heading in the wrong direction, you know, <laughs> Sundays can get real. Um, they can become a bubbling mess, so I need you're this one. You're 3 Be happy. Enjoy it. I know, but according one. to Dan, that means I have no sense of urgency at this point, and I'm just sort of walking into a loss. So I, I mean, know, I'm, I'm not worried about your urgency level. It doesn't really affect this game. But, uh, yeah, I, I understand why there could be stress. And locks – we've sat next to you for years in that newsroom, Mark, when a lock is on the line. There's – it gets real for you. So I, ho- I hope it works out. I I'm a competitor. You are. You're one of the great comp- – you're Michael Jordan. When it comes to NFL locks for meaningless uh, competitions, you are Michael Jordan in 1996. <laughs> well, there's like four or five of us participating at all. So, you know, <laughs> someone has to be. Time now for Road to Victory, presented by the United States Marine Corps. Up next, draft Mark Sessler. All right. Well, you know, this game is not something I would have uh, probably picked a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to go Detroit, New Orleans. I am impressed with what Detroit did on defense against the Cardinals. You know, we were all talking about the Cardinals as the team that had arrived and fulfilled the hype. And I think that there's a lot to that team. But Detroit, after getting really lacerated a couple weeks in a row, got a little healthier in their secondary intercepted Kyler Murray three times. Jeff have been Okuda, four. the first rounder, got a pick. Would have, should have been four. You're right. So they they really, I thought they threw Kyler Murray off his axis a little bit in that game. And so they're not a team, however, that rushes the passer at all. And they don't even choose to. And that sets up well for Drew Brees, who gets, you know, Michael Thomas is working this week. He's back at practice. Uh, in theory, the offense could be completely different with him back in there. So this is, I just want to see like with all the panic surrounding the uh, Drew Brees and the Saints in general, 
you know, in, in Sean Payton sound ad, we know Sean Payton gets agitated when people talk about him or his team. And it sounds <laughs> like he's been agitated in responding to some of the criticism. So yeah. I think we're going to get a fired up Saints team in, against the Lions here. I love it when he gets fired up at his own coaches. I mean, he seems a little agitated about his defensive coordinator, Dennis Allen, saying that uh, the the blown uh, assignments they had last week was like watching a high school team. I mean, you, you know, that reminds me of Sean Payton with Greg Williams. It reminds me of Sean Payton with Rob Ryan. It's like it used to be one of my favorite recurring segments, Sean Payton throws his defensive coordinator under the bus, and maybe now it's back for a new season. They need their stars to play better. Cam Jordan hasn't done much. Marshawn Lattimore uh, is not playing at the high level he he did as a rookie. So uh, there's some frustration in New Orleans. It makes it fun. I agree. I totally agree. There's frustration there. There's a sense in that building uh, that they are way better than what they've showed so far. And, uh, you know, I still think... This is a team that's going to be okay. I, I, in my power rankings, I dropped them down near the bottom of the top 10, but that still sh- that shows that I think this is a team wow. that's ready to really? make a big push, that they're going to be okay, and I think it starts here. I think the Lions, yes, I, I was impressed as well that their defense showed up and contained not just Kyler Murray through the air with the three picks, but also on the ground where he had a bit, I think, 29 rushing yards. I mean, he almost he took Jeff Akuta's soul on that one touchdown scramble, but then Akuta showing some resiliency, jumps that route and gets a big interception that sets up points. So respect to the Lions and Matt Patricia, who, man, Matt Patricia needed that win. He was staring down the barrel he potentially. needs another fired. one, though. They, he they does. They're 1-11 in their last 12 games. Right. It's like it, that is not a streak that Matt Patricia can say, yes, but look back on my multiple playoff wins from years past. So he needed you that. just have He needed record. that. He absolutely – that was a much-needed win, but I don't think he's going to follow it up with another W. I think mm-hmm. with – especially if we got Michael Thomas involved, Drew Brees – Everyone is obsessed with how far he's throwing the ball, but he was moving that offense last week. The defense is going to wake up. Watch out for uh, Cam Jordan to have a monster. Uh-oh. I'm the leader of this defense team. And when Let's you put it, it all together, it's time to lock it up. Let's go, Saints. Get straight. Get right. The Falcons absolutely took my soul in this uh, in this game uh, <laughs> last week. Uh, the Saints are going to get right. Get behind good coaching and a good roster. Mm. It's good luck. I like it. I like it. I, I do want to bring up a, a new segment I want to introduce to the show. Um, and, and that's uh, something I'm going to call Mark. Are you still ready to die on Taysom Hill? And that, that's just it. It's a question. On the Taysom Hill. That, that's oh, you know what? On a different words, picture. Sure. You mean Taysom Hill? Because right corner? now it's struggling. It's tough for the Taysom Hill uh, fans out there right now. Well, that's the whole thing. It's like people like Taysom Hill when he, you know, made bad games fun and he he operated as a completely unpredictable uh, skill position talent unlike we've seen before. And then it's like just it's very Twitter middle school for everyone Uh-oh. to turn on him. No, the minute the minute he, you know, makes a big play, it's like the big mistake. It's like, oh, suddenly, like everyone knows the secrets on Taysom Hill. We're revealing who this player really is. I'm still completely in the camp of Taysom Hill. This guy is going to do things that we've never thought of before. Down the road, Greg, I still like Taysom Hill. Still dying on Taysom Hill. Okay, that's yes, it. Still, he's on top of Taysom Hill. Yeah, he hasn't really done anything to make the offense better through three weeks, and he may have cost him the game in week three, but he could still be – I'm not – 
I, I, I like that you're having fun with Mark and getting him fired up here, but I, I think he could still have <laughs> moments with this offense. Maybe he won't have eight touchdowns again or whatever, uh, but Drew Brees needs to calm down if he's behind the scenes chirping that Taysom Hill shouldn't be involved with this offense. Not that I know he's doing that, but can't you oh, see it? I was like, are you breaking some news there? <laughs> can't you see news, it, though? Yeah. <laughs> can't you see a closed-door yeah. meeting? All right, Greg, it's up to you. I'm going Chargers, Bucks. I am intrigued about this quarterback matchup. I mean, it's got, you know, one guy who might go to Canton, but it's got another guy, Justin Herbert, who I'm enjoying watching. Did you say Tom Brady uh, might as go to Canton? These young yeah, probably. Wow. I think, uh, I think he'll probably. You really soured on uh, Tom Brady. I'm joking. I mean, he's the greatest <laughs> of all time, but you know what you're going to get. Herbert has been a pleasant surprise to me. I love the way he moves. I can't remember a 6'6 quarterback this athletic. It almost feels like this is happening in every sport. Like there's taller tennis players like Nick Kyrgios who are just more athletic than ever. There are taller NBA players uh, who are just more athletic than they've ever been. And Herbert moves so well. I know he's only an inch or two taller than Cam Newton, for instance, but he's sort of movement skills. And some of the plays he made a very natural feel in the pocket, getting outside, rolling to his left and just flicking it 60 yards down the field. That is some Aaron Rodgers stuff. And uh, he's made them really fun to watch. I don't know if they're a great team, but I think that he'll make this game entertaining. I'm happy with this pick. I mean, I think some of the taller athletes are being made up by much shorter sports writers. This show includes at least two of them. And, you know, that's just the way humanity works. But I love the fact that, you know, there's there's two plus decades separating these two players. And I know Tom Brady's thinking about that. He's like, I'm not going to go lose to a rookie here, although he's not on defense. The problem, I think, a little bit, for the Chargers is the injuries are piling up. You've lost Chris Harris. I mean, yeah, you still have some you still have some genuine talent up front, but it's not the way that they were they, that's not the way they plan to come into the season. You just you're down a lot of guys and you're basically Five starters. now with a rookie quarterback. I mean, that's that's a the Chargers wanted to win games. We talked about it's like 17 to 16. The Bucks want to win games 30 to 12. And I you know they don't have Chris Godwin. That's an issue. Um, you know, they've got injuries of their own on offense, but I still think that the Tom Brady to Mike Evans chemistry, that did not take long. Those two are on the same page. Mm. I mean, that was very strange. That was a the strangest stat line I could ever remember was uh, Sunday for the Bucks against the Broncos. Mike Evans, two catches for two yards for two touchdowns. Uh, so while they aren't necessarily lighting it up, uh, at least against Denver, yes, you could tell there's a comfort level between those two players. Uh, the, you could look at week two also. I mean, they've had they've had their moments. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that it's interesting looking at the Bucks on a week to week. They've definitely made inter- incremental gains on offense, but even last week they, I think they had about fifty total yards and three points in the second half against Denver. So they're not all the way there, but the defense is, and you just got to kind of give credit organizationally to them understanding what they needed to do in the off season. Uh, keeping Jason Pierre-Paul and Dominican Sue, uh, Shaq Barrett, keeping them all in the building, knowing they had Devin White and Levante David and just have this fearsome uh, front seven. And I thought it was interesting what Arian said after Sunday's win that when they got Tom Brady, they weren't like, oh, Tom Brady is our savior. He's the guy now It's going to take us to the Super Bowl. They viewed it, and his quote was, "He was Brady was icing on the on top of the cake. That that was how they view it. They think this defense is that what's going to take them deep. And based on what we've seen both this year and how last year closed, I think they're going to be a lot of trouble. And they certainly have the look right now, especially if the Bucks offense 
continues to grow as a team that's going to be near the top of the standings uh, late into December. I yeah, am Tom Brady chose like, well. Yeah, we talked about them scoring. Remember, you're making fun of me for saying they were going to score 40 points on the reg, I think is what I said, which was an absurd <laughs> thing someone 20 years younger than me should say. But I stand by it. i with you, Dan. They're, this offense is going to get better and better week after hasn't week. It hasn't been good, and though. It hasn't been good. It, it's a mediocre offense. They're 24th in yards per play. They're they're below that, I think, in net yards per attempt. They don't have – I don't think he has good chemistry with Evans right now at all. He's not really sure what he's going to do. Scotty Miller is a little banged up. Godwin's – and it almost doesn't matter. Like, like, they don't need to have a great offense. They are kind of embodying what everyone said about the Bucks a year ago. They're just like, you know, if Jameis Winston didn't turn the ball over four or five times every game, they'd win a lot of games. And, like, that's the 2020 Bucks. They'll get better. Uh, but you're right. It's a defense. It's the Bulls of Sons. Give your boy some love, Dan. Todd Bowles. I mean, he's not my my boy. I like Todd Bowles. He was an unsuccessful head coach for the Jets. But he's a perfect defensive coordinator, just like he was – in Arizona. And I'll, I'll just say this, Greg, on the last week on our Around the NFL podcast flagship show on Sunday night when we recap all these games, you had mentioned the lateral play, Keenan Allen to Austin Eckler, that nearly uh, led to a miracle win for the Chargers. That was, I can't believe that that did not that was it. happen. It was it. And it's the it most could be three and oh. It's 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 such a Chargers thing. It's such a Chargers thing. There's only a handful of franchises that would let the game end that way. Uh, maybe Herbert was a little late on the throw that led to Keenan Allen had to catch it and flip it in one motion, which led to the accuracy issue on it. But it was way closer. Oh, it was such. Oh, oh my God. Let's move on, uh, Greg. It snakes to you. Some teams, man, they know how to twist the knife on the fence. All right, Kate. Week four. These are these are two teams that need a win badly. It's the Vikings and the Texans. And you know, how about a team that likes to twist the knife on their fan? That's that's the Minnesota Vikings. I choose this game even though they haven't won because they're two playoff teams from a year ago that really need a win bad. And I'm not ready to dig dirt on the grave, at least not of the winner of this game. Zero and four though is a tough hill to climb out of. I like the Texans in this game because of Deshaun Watson, because of what he showed uh, last week, and because he's playing this Vikings defense. Even though Minnesota's offense has had some moments this year, the defense really hasn't. I mean, the, the defensive line, especially on the interior, I think the Texans will be able to run a little more in this game. And I think the Texans' passing attack has gotten a little better each week. They, they have four receivers that they can go to. They're, none of them are amazing, but you don't need to be amazing to take advantage of this Viking secondary right now. And so it, it comes down to, like, who do you trust, Kirk Cousins or Deshaun Watson? I'm taking Watson. Well, I trust Watson as well, and I trust him not dealing with, you know, Pittsburgh's front front seven like he did last week I just he looked to me I was like is this guy having any fun in this offense because he has just taken a lot of punishment and they've been on they haven't been as productive the one thing though when we Will Fuller is the kind of guy that you can trust for about seven games a year before like a hamstring blows up but he really I really like him when he's in there I think he's a difference maker I'm not sold on the rest of the attack right now though I, I, am I wrong on this? I just I, the Houston I mean, the Texans. When I watch three them of on the best offense, defenses in the league. Well, that's so I'm said yet. So sell so sell me now. I mean, because you're running out of time to sell us on anything if you're the Houston Texans. Yeah, we we are at a point now. Last week we were in a, the games for the Texans and the Vikings. That was the cornered animal game for both of them. We present that as the game where. It's a frisky team, a team that should be good, that got out of the gate slowly, and when you put an animal in a corner, you better watch out. Well, after two more losses for these teams, 
Uh, 0-4, there's no coming back from. So we will call this. They go from the corner an- cornered animal. This is the roadkill game, folks. <laughs> Ew, gross. Look away, children, because whoever loses this game is scrape them off the side of the road. Animal control, do what you must. I don't know who, maybe it's a state trooper. I always wondered who has to handle that because it seems like gnarly work. Uh, it's all over. Your season is over after four weeks. So that's why I think this is a fascinating game because neither of these teams to me are truly 0-4 teams. They're teams uh, that had either schedule problems or some personnel issues on the Viking side where they can't get things straightened out in time. And now all of a sudden they're against each other. Uh, so the roadkill game, someone's alive, someone's dead. And uh, there's some drama there, some football drama there. I like seeing Mike see. Zimmer snap at a reporter uh, yesterday. I mean, I think that they're feeling it. Both these coaches and teams are feeling it inside this building. So you lose this one, Dan, and you're right. You're not much better than a squirrel that was squashed by a, you know, a Big Mac truck. Let's, Let's hear that again. I'm just curious what that would sound like. Ew, gross. Look away, children. It's the roadkill game. All right. Stakes well, couldn't be higher. Could not. Mark, you're up next. All right. I know this might not be the, the popular pick in terms of like two, uh, two Titans. There's one team I really like in this, though. The Eagles visiting the Niners. And I'll tell you what. Kyle Shanahan is telling you right now who he is. You want to give me seven or eight backup players? I'm going to go into New York two weeks in a row and drop 16 or 17 A-bombs. And last week against – all right, that's fine. But the Giants people thought were a little frisky. And a lot of people a week ago were saying, oh, this Niners team, how are they going to get away with all this? You know, all their guys are gone. They're starting quarterback. When you're starting quarterback, that's a fair complaint. They don't punt the entire game. They they literally never allowed the Giants to really show a sign of life in that. And suddenly Nick Mullins is back in our life, and he is absolutely looking. He's, it's to the point where Shanahan has to answer questions this week and say, no, there is absolutely no chance that Nick Mullins is going to upstage and ups, unseat Jimmy G for the starting position here because Nick Mullins looked as good as Jimmy G has in a while. I'm just saying I mm. think that this is a really important game also. And you guys, I'll let you guys handle the Eagles drama of this, but look at the Niners' schedule coming up. After this game, you got the Dolphins. But then after that is a rough stretch of the Rams, Patriots, Seahawks, Packers, and Saints. That's like a double playoff run. So you need these games against these wanting, desperate teams, and the Eagles feel like a desperate team to me right now, gentlemen. The, for the Niners' side of it, absolutely great job taking care of business. The Giants and the Jets are the two worst teams in football, and you need to win those games. And they did. And you having good But they coach, won them by a lot, and they won them with like 12 backups. That's right. outrageous. No, no, but you, it's just you, un- win the, you win those games when you have good coaching and you have depth on the roster. So good job by them. And now you start to get – hopefully you start to get healthy. You lost some guys, unfortunately, for the year in that terrible little stretch of a week there. Uh, but I, you, you tip the cap to the Niners, but then you also wonder, okay, now what happens when you start playing against real NFL teams? That's the only thing I'll, I'll say about them in terms of couching it. All due credit for them for are whipping the Eagles, up in the are, Do you consider the Eagles a real yes. NFL team I right think now? the Eagles, because they're a desperate team as well right now, I think this will be a great test for both teams. I think it was a good game. I, I think it's fascinating. But the Eagles aren't playing. They're playing like a real defense. I like Malik Jackson. The pass rush is totally healthy, by the way, and they should be fine. But the the offense is terrible. I mean, 
Carson Wentz has double the amount of turnover-worthy plays, according to PFF, than any quarterback in the league. And by the way, he doesn't have any receivers healthy again for this game. Not only is Rager gone, and Dallas Goddard's gone now, Deshaun Jackson's a little banged up too. So we're kind of like right back to where we were in the playoffs a year ago. And I think as much criticism as Wentz is taking, you have to look at Doug Peterson. I mean, think about this matchup. Would anyone in the world rather have Doug Peterson calling plays than Kyle Shanahan? Do you think Kyle Shanahan would ever let a team have 29th in yards per play uh, 33 weeks into the season? I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to like be harsh on Peterson, but it's a full offensive system that's collapsing right now. And you don't see the great offensive coaches allowing that to happen. And there are a lot of Eagles fans who like to point out the Eagles record since Frank Reich left the building. Frank Reich has gone to Indianapolis as one of the best offensive minds in the league. And right now, Peterson's searching because there aren't easy throws out there for once either. And, And quickly on top of that, I mean, the Wentz thing, it feels like you've had a quarterback that has played you know, touched MVP type level play in his past under this coaching staff. Now he looks mentally broken. I mean, it looks like a guy that needs like a month off. I mean, at least legitimately a week off to regather himself. I'm not sure that's how that works with starting quarterbacks, but this coaching <laughs> staff is a part of that. What, like they asked Doug Peterson, what is going on with Carson Wentz? And he basically said, I don't know. Well, you need to know. you got to figure this out. Well, that's part of the hmm. the problem with sports, right? Like you... Carson Wentz was an MVP level guy. He's played at or near that level in the time since the ACL tear in 2017, I believe. He was great for stretches last year with a with a supporting cast that wasn't there. And there is something wrong with him now, and and it's it's tough. I mean, it's kind of a what do you do though? It's like you say you say it's Carson Wentz's fault. Okay, you don't want to put it all on him. Now it's Doug Peterson's fault. I don't know. All I know is Miles Sanders is streaking down the field wide open and Carson Wentz overthrows him and costs the team a touchdown. It's like, that's Doug Peterson's fault now? Sometimes I feel like no. it's a little easy just to put it on the coach. No, a combination. No, yeah. it, he's not. The Wentz isn't thinking clearly, though. And that that relationship between Peterson and Wentz is like what you give Peterson credit for when things are going well. His mind is so cloudy. You could see on this first throw last week where he just predetermined he's going to throw it to Deshaun Jackson no matter what, even though there's a guy underneath. Uh, they do a lot of the RPOs right now. And a lot of it, I think, is Wentz making bad decisions. When when there looks like there's a positive running play available and he holds on to it and there isn't anyone open throwing the ball. So I, I think that is partly coaching in, unless it's just like Wentz having a total collapse. I, I think it, it's a combination of both. All right. I'm up, right? The old Zeuser. Third person. So Second many time choices today. for the old George Kittle Zeuser. back in that game, though. You mentioned uh, you mentioned some people coming back. George Kittle's yeah. on our, in our live Sunday night football. That's Debo good. Samuel back at practice. He's got a couple weeks before we could see him again, but they are getting healthier. Thank you for buying time for you. Thank you for buying that time. I've been caught by surprise for some reason. All right. My choice will be let's go Seattle at Miami. Uh, Don't see a really great option here. So I'll just grab that game Uh, just because that means I get to watch Russell Wilson. Good. So Russell Wilson is on pace for 75 touchdowns. So in a depressed draft class, (laughs) if I have a chance to, to take that guy and watch him, I will. Uh, they have issues, though, and I don't know what Jamal, Jamal Adams' status is after he, ha- he tweaked his groin. 
at the end of the game against the Cowboys, but their defense has been terrible with Jamal Adams as well. So if you take him out of the mix or put a compromised version of him on the field, you wonder how are they ever going to get stops? Well, you know, the, the Dolphins present a challenge because as much as we want to just disregard Miami as oh they stink and oh Ryan Fitzpatrick's there he's funny look at all that chest cabbage they that he can light people up if you if you give Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, time he will find receivers so uh, everyone is going to pick the Seattle Seahawks to continue rolling and get all excited about them. Uh, but at the same time, would I be totally stunned if this is a game that's very competitive in Miami mm. in the fourth quarter because of all the issues with Seattle's defense? I would not be stunned at all. Yeah, I think the Dolphins have done a good job coaching up what they have and they're a team. I think, you know, if Brian Flores is like Bill Belichick, this team is going to be different in November, December than they – than they are to start the season. But I, I just don't see the talent. Like, I just don't see enough playmakers. Even in a game where they, they control the lead, it's like they sat on that lead a little bit against Jacksonville because they knew that they could stop the Jaguars. And against Seattle, like, good luck. Russell Wilson reminds me so much of Ben Roethlisberger at the same age, around 32, 31. Hmm. I thought Roethlisberger, who was like a Hall of Famer already in my mind, went to another level because like his, his mind, Dan, uh, you know, caught up with his physical skills. And now it's like Russell Wilson is so three steps ahead of the defense mentally. And he's still got all of his physical skills. It's like, that's meeting up in the middle. And I, I don't know how you stop that right now. I mean, you're going back to like when Bruce Arians had enough trust in big Ben to let him just call series right. at a time, you know, so that, and there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are in that situation. So I, I like that comparison. Seattle's offense, uh, he, you know what it kind of reminds me of? I don't know if you guys ever dealt with these, but when you were like in your twenties and you'd go to like some park and there'd be a bunch of bros with one of those like giant slingshots that you'd put the water balloons in and shoot them like 300 yards across the park and like hit some girl in the head with a water balloon. That's this, what their where, offense where feels this like. Happening? What? Well, it's just one. Do you not? Did, I have never been to that park. No, no. I, don't, I, I think well, never. This seems like these a like power slingshots that you could shoot like um, water balloons or other objects, but it was meant to be safe. But I think I saw like an just, infomercial of that at like 3 a.m. once. It existed. It existed, <laughs> and I literally saw a girl get nailed in the head with it. It was not. It was not a pretty picture. But um. Mm. their Ouch. offense just is so different than it used to be and they have two legit star wideouts and i don't see how miami hangs in this game at all so how far that, would these slingshots go are we talking like 50 yards or like what was the max no, i think it was like a legit first time that i saw it was on a college campus it was one of these campuses where there's like eight giant green lawns in a row and there was like some girls on a towel like three lawns over which was like legit hundred something yards away. And these guys kept aiming and hitting like it was when parents were dropping their kids off. So it's hitting kids and little brothers and moms and dads. And it finally hit these it people does, sunbathing. It kind of sounds like um, early 90s campus life where it's like everybody's like, all right, go to the quad. We'll do some Frisbee and then we'll do the balloon launch. And then everybody back to the dorm to watch real world. It was very soft early 90s. Greg's like, I was on the MDMA back at college, so I didn't have this experience. I, Greg, it was a different type I mean, of college experience than Tulane, trust me. It was. We weren't wasting time sitting on blankets <laughs> playing hacky sack. We had, we had right. bars to go to. Let's, uh, let's move on. It, it uh, snakes to the old Zeuser. Uh, let's check in where, where Lamar Jackson is after Monday night. My own. You kidding me, bro? Yikes. I know that was a total team meltdown. 
We talked about it on the podcast earlier this week. You can't just put everything on the quarterback. Uh, but when you're the MVP, uh, much is expected. And he did not rise up to the occasion. Uh, so now he gets the Washington football team, which is playing now without number two overall pick Chase Young, who has a lower body injury, I believe a groin. So good news there for Lamar and uh, bad news for Washington. But they could still get after a quarterback even without Chase you wonder, and I don't know if Washington is the team to do this, and I don't want to put disrespect on Ron Rivera's name. He's a he's an accomplished defensive coach. Uh, but do you take the stu- you take the tape from Monday night? Did you learn anything from that? What what clearly had flummoxed uh, the Ravens' offense was it clearly just a game game situation uh, that got them where you got ahead of them, which I don't imagine the Redskins, or, excuse me, the Washington football team are going to uh, be scoring a lot of points. So maybe this is completely out the door. Uh, but, or is there something you could take from it to slow them down after what Kansas City did? That's what I'll be watching for. I, I think you can take some broader strokes of how to rush them. I, I don't know if they this, this was mysterious that you – you need to keep the edge that maybe don't go totally after him, just kind of lay back and, and make him make decisions. But who are the Washington football team right now? I mean, there's supposedly their defensive line question, is their identity. On a lot of levels. <laughs> right. I mean, they lost Chase Young, but they also lost Matt, Matt Ioannidis for the That's season. True. And so I would say he might be their second or third best defensive lineman. You still have Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and, and sweat like they, they have players, but they're not nearly the same without those two guys. Uh, I think Scott Turner has actually done a pretty good job, you know, scheming up this offense. Uh, but Haskins is a beat or too late and the talent's not there. Um, like there's been plays I think that can work for Washington. And I like Scott Turner so far, but Haskins uh, he needs a bounce back game because he seems to be losing a little faith uh, from his coaches. And I would say that game against Cleveland was as bad a, a game any quarterback has had this year, this 2020 season. It was because Dan, you you sort of you were right. I think that you thought that you know Cleveland could have lost that game, but then then Washington lost Chase Young, and their defense was not the same after that. And Haskins, you know, willingly threw some of the worst interceptions I've seen in the past you know 20 years watching football. Uh, it was. Like, he just seemed completely Oof. out of his element. And the Browns' defense caused – I don't think they caused that. Were they I Nate Peterman bad, in your opinion? No. I mean, yeah, that seems harsh. They were just, you know, some bad reads. They they were really ugly because I just feel like he he's not there um, neck up right now. Like, the, Cleveland didn't cause those by what they were doing was, to him. I just don't – Well, he's not clock. crazy accurate, though. He's not crazy accurate or athletic. So you have what to – What a combination commit. we got for a first-round pick quarterback. Let's put let's piece well, it all I, together here. I think he's probably can, better than all of this if you if in time. I do, but – You can see he, so he has anticipation, but you're right, Mark. I, I think actually he is a type of quarterback that has to win from the neck up. And that, in a long-term view, is the kind of player – that he is that can read through the progressions. And you see that he does do that a little bit. He's like a little bit more of a, a safer, not as exciting quarterback, but then it just seems like there's five or six plays where he just throws it up and he doesn't see what's, what's happening. What we call Sessler, a bit of a, a a premonition here that Kyle Allen is playing in this game in the second half. uh, Mm. Cause the clock is officially ticking on Haskins. Uh, Earlier this week, Ron Rivera said there will be a cutoff point for Dwayne Haskins. And that 
that is damning when the coach is saying that. This is early in the season. He's still a very young quarterback. But all it does is remind you that Ron Rivera had nothing to do with Dwayne Haskins coming into this building. Ron Rivera is tasked with rebooting the entire machine. And usually when you have that responsibility, you're going to do it with your own quarterback. It seems like Haskins is doomed. And, oh, by the way, Rivera went out of his way to bring in Kyle Allen, uh, a quarterback that while he is hardly Patrick Mahomes or even half of that, uh, is someone that he he knows and knows his abilities. Uh, so you imagine he's not going to have any issues mm. uh, tapping him to come in. I you you can totally can't you see the Ravens uh, being yes. mad as hell and putting up you know twenty eight points in the first half and with the Washington offense not moving, it's Kyle Allen time in a blowout and then an announcement coming shortly after on Tuesday from Rivera. It all seems like it's in the stars right now. Yeah, and I like Scott anything Turner. can happen. Right. I like I like Scott Turner too, but Andy Reid like completely beguiled Patrick Queen, the rookie linebacker for Baltimore and mu- much of that defense. I don't think that Washington is going to offer that kind of challenge. There's also this like Washington Baltimore rivalry where this game matters on a level. Right. Big time. Uh, once right. every 4 years, one of the great ones. What Wake is up, it? Washington fans. No, the What's I-95, I think. Oh, the I-95 there's also I-95. Uh, there's also the ba- Baltimore-Washington Parkway, I think it's called. I don't okay. know which is I like I mean, I only took the train when I lived route. in that area, so I don't know the, the actual highway name. But, like, they don't – there's a legit dislike between these sports entities in both towns. Really? Right, and the Still- Ravens now have had the edge there for a while. And Ron Rivera, I, I'm not saying they're tanking. Um but take a timeout at the end of these games. He's kind of just let these games two weeks in a row. He's had to answer some questions, and he literally said, like, I'm worried about guys not getting hurt. It's like Uh-oh. you're only down two scores with seven minutes left. Two straight weeks he Uh-oh. did that. It was very – I don't know. All right, uh, Mark, you're up. All right, let's see here. Where are we going to go? I, like you, am caught off guard. Um <laughs> You know what I'm going to do? And this is simply for scheduling uh, reasons because I don't have a 4 o'clock game. I'm going to go Giants at Rams. I also feel like that could be one where you kind of soft track Oof. it and maybe I yeah. you know, get a little get a little sun in the yard. That's kind um, of like a round of very oh, Please, that's not, doing, that's not doing the uh, listeners proud. They, you know, okay. they, want, they want aggressive watching. I will watch it aggressively, <laughs> Greg. Thank you for setting me straight. That's why Greg is the old boss. I cannot get away with that what type of behavior. Leader. I mean, imagine if Greg wasn't here to, to set us on the right path. <laughs> <laughs> this game scares me. You got Aaron Donald against oh, that would go this well. Giants offense. The Giants running back situation. I mean, Devonta Freeman thrown in there, thrown into the fire right away. They've got Deion Lewis. They're just not a balanced offense. I think McVeigh is fired up after that Bills game. And one thing I like about McVeigh is he, if they, if the Rams make a mistake of any sort, he basically just says it is absolutely. He said I did a terrible job of putting us in really poor situations against the Bills when they got down early. And you know, it what's lost in that was the real Rams team and the one that that they can be is the team the team that climbed back into that. I, I still think this is one of the more intriguing offenses in the league. Um, nothing about last week changes that for me. They, if more anything, it was some of the stuff that happened on defense that would have me concerned. I mean, to your point, Dan, the Josh Allen, they got lucky a little bit, or lucky or whatever it was, football god stuff, with the call at the end. Josh Allen got against the Rams defense, got them out of some jams too. There was a third and 22 play, a couple items like that where, I mean, that's that's a Rams secondary you want to trust more than that. So, 
this Rams team to me has no reasons not to go in here and handle this with very little concern, with very little concern, because I think they're going to flex their muscles in a bit of an angry contest after coming out of a game. They thought the other, they should have bought the other New York team last week and they, they don't like what happened at all. I feel like good, good defenses right now are going to lose to good offenses. There's only four or five defenses. I think that really matter and can, can clamp you to, I don't think the Rams are going to be that team. They need to play good situationally and they need to count on Jared Goff doing his top 10 quarterback thing. That's what he's doing right now. Just like 2018. And this time um, he's got a nice little running game going. Daryl Henderson has some juice. I mean, the Cam Akers injury might end up being a little bit of a blessing because wow. Henderson just feels like the game's coming a little slower to him this year. He's making the right reads and he has major juice. That is a fun backfield with Malcolm. And they were talking about him doing that last year, like at the combine two combines ago and it never really happened. And now he's got like 100 plus yards, two straight games, and everyone wants to talk committee. It still will be a committee, but this off, it's, it's the removal of this one lead back that takes up one eighth of your salary cap, and you have to base the whole, their whole offense is different now. They're using like their still tight ends is. as fullbacks. That's how bad that contract right. was. He still right. is taking up an eighth of their salary cap. Yeah, to score 29 straight points in Buffalo, which the Rams pulled off, wiping out 28 3. And then give up third and 22. And then third and 25, giving up, you know, big yardage to set up that PI. That That is a gut punch loss. And uh, the Giants are the perfect team for them at home. This game is over by the end of the first quarter. I mean, this is not going to be competitive. Mm. And that's why you have to look in the mirror with the locks game. Because if you can lock up anything, and there are, there are shows and pundits well, they're out way there over the, that don't even way look over in the mirror. There. And they just no, they yeah. just lock up anything no. they want, and they'll say, "Oh yeah, the Rams over the Giants is my lock of the week." Oh, screw <laughs> off! You can't lock this game up. But there is no game that's more certain in terms of outcome to me than Giants at Rams mm. Week Four. Don't like the Giants' chances if I haven't made myself clear on that. <laughs> All right, I think we got that, uh, Greg. You're up. All right, I think I got a couple picks. Let's, uh, was that take too our, harsh on the Giants uh, there? Was that too much? I, no. Well, I mean, let them tell you that you I, I believe in harsh. Daniel Jones and that he's coming off one of the worst games he's had. Uh, I, here's another reason to be depressed if you're a Giants fan. They, four tackles were drafted in the top 15 picks this year. Three of them look pretty great right now. I know it's only three games, um, but Andrew Thomas uh, is not looking great for the Giants. He's been struggling, and, and it doesn't help that the other three – uh, one of yours, uh, Makai Becton. You know the Browns have a nice uh, looking tackle here, Chad but uh, the big they might they might have missed. They might they might have missed uh, in New York. Oh, we'll too see. early. Too early. I'm going to the prime time. Come on, I'm now. going to the prime time games. Packers, Falcons. <laughs> I've heard some talk. It's like, oh, why are the Falcons in prime time? This is a, this they're a fun team to watch. I mean, I know like watch burn to the their ground. Defense isn't, I guess. But <laughs> I've, if if you watch Bears Falcons. And if you watched uh, Falcons Cowboys and you had nothing at stake in the game, which you know, which I didn't, I worked for the NFL. I was fully entertained. You got a great quarterback in Matt Ryan, and you have great uh, drama in like how can they possibly lose this game? What a mismatch when the Packers have the ball. This Falcons edge rush, which has been bad for as long as Quinn's been there, we talk about it every offseason, and it's maybe worse now than it's ever been. So. you just don't expect Rodgers to face a lot of heat in this game, and that should make for a fun uh, Monday night. You know, they can sell this game. I can sell it. What do you think, Mark? 
You know, my favorite play from the Falcons game was this amazing um, moment where Matt Ryan just like willingly flung the ball out of bounds and it nailed a like, nailed one of these like sitting um, cameraman like cameraman guys right off the end zone like sitting with his knee with his knees all bent and he had like a ten thousand dollar lens and he was just completely removed from uh, reality. <laughs> Those like, are I, the bravest I, men in America, by the way. The the guys that sit uh, crisscross applesauce is the accepted term now with their ten thousand dollar camera as these like thoroughbreds sprint at them on like end zone fades. It's pretty impressive that they have the the guts to just hang in there. I enjoyed that. But then, you know, there was also the Matt Ryan that started the four, that fourth quarter, that critical fourth quarter, 0 for 7. You know, then then yeah. that kind of opened the door for Foles to shake out of a little mini funk and turn into magic Foles. And so I agree with Greg that this is an interesting matchup because the Falcons offense is amazing. I think Calvin Ridley is might basically just telling back. everyone they might get Julio. But you know what? With Calvin Ridley, like he is a total luminary. I mean, I, you know... I hate people to talk about their fantasy team, but I reluctantly drafted him, and he is kicking people's butt week after week. You but reluctantly like you, drafted him? Didn't you read the the Zeus or column that he was going to be joining the superstar club in 20, I, 2020? I missed that. Miss that. I missed that, that, that data from you. I, oh, that's on me. That's unfortunate. That's on that's me. The, but the fourth time you've referred it, to yourself in the third person. This it, show it's all there. The about. old Zeuser pointed it out, but we're it never going back. That Ridley was ready. It was time. We're never going back to the someone else calling him by his name. He will just call. This is an easy matchup name. too for the Falcons' offense. They're they're playing a defense that's also struggling. I mean, there's not really much the Green Bay defense is doing well right now. Um, even their best players, Zadarius Smith, maybe not quite as many big plays, but it's more the run defense in, in the back end, like. There should be points. There, re- there really should be plenty of points for the Falcons. I, I guess I'm just saying it would have been really fun. This game was played in Atlanta when the Falcons collapsed in the fourth quarter. Uh, you would get that Aaron Rodgers comeback. You would have the back-and-forth action earlier in the game. But I think at Lambeau, I don't think we get to see the Falcons collapse because I don't mm. think they get to the point where they can collapse. I, I like the Packers – I, I don't know. Do you think the Falcons still have a soul after what happened the last two weeks? These are two, in terms of early losses back to back. I can't remember another team that. There's never, there's never been a team like that's, that's lost two team. games no, like that in a season similarly, much less back to back. You're right, but uh, they did come out last week and then started off well. I don't know. That's what they do. All right, and you know what? To the point of, is this going to be a fun game to watch? Aaron Rodgers in prime time at Lambeau, even though there's no fans there, that's worth the price of. And Matt Ryan playing pretty great, too. I mean, this is like wipe out what's happened and just watch it on its own. Enjoyable. All right. Uh, Up next, Greg, it's snakes to you. Okay. Um, What is still left? How about the Jaguars Bengals? Uh, I'm I'm intrigued by this game. Everyone thinks this is the spot uh, for Joe Burrow to get his first win. Makes sense. He has not played – a defense as forgiving as Jacksonville. This could be the first game where Joe Burrow theoretically gets protection. I think Joe Burrow's coming off his best game in Philadelphia really was sharp. He's shown if you protect him, he's going to be on time on target and make good decisions. The deep ball isn't quite there. They're still condensed. Like they, it holds up a little bit. So he doesn't have like the, the big arm of an Aaron Rodgers, certainly. Uh, but this is a game you would expect him to go up and down the field. And he's hungry for a win. He, he said it this week. He said, we, we absolutely need to win this game. I think they know they're favored. It's not, I can't You're remember the last up? time the Bengals were favored to win this game. 
You're locking it Am up? I locking it up? Is that what you said? Yeah, no. you're locking it up. I actually think the Jaguars <laughs> are going to win this game. Well, what do you say? Yeah, because the Burrow – and, you know, they have to do a better job protecting Burrow. He got the snot knocked out of him uh, by the Eagles, including one shot, and I know you guys know what I'm talking about, where it would have put 99.3% of uh, humans into a hospital – and I know he got up because he's tough and he's a world-class athlete, but you continue to get this kid destroyed, he's going to end up on the IR. Uh, on the other side, of, we didn't get a chance to talk about it as a group, but obviously very disappointing performance by the Jaguars on offense against the Dolphins last week on Thursday night football. Uh, do we going to chalk that up, Mark, as just a bad week or a sign that this is going to continue to be an up-and-down offense? Well, I think it's an up and down offense. And I think that Minshew, you know, for all my, you know, I still am a, I'm still a Minshewian, but he may be an up and down quarterback where you're going to, because hmm. if you want to look back at last year, he had some of those games. Now, I don't know. I mean, I think that a lot of it had to do with DJ Shark not being in the lineup. They have a great connection and that changed a lot. And, you know, Thursday night football is weird. And I, I don't, I'm not writing off Minshew at all, but I think he's capable of that kind of game. The same way he's capable of surprising us you know, the first two weeks. So I Flores I, cooked him up. Flores cooked him up. Is Lou Anarumo going to cook him up? Is he, he going to scramble him? I don't know. But they're getting so. they're getting DJ back too. I think that's a big part of this. And, you know, I, like I like them to be frisky. Um, I, to me, can you do what the other teams have done to Burrow, who's to your point, Dan, has had 42 pressures in the past two weeks? That's not cool. Oof. I mean, you're going to – that's how you get a quarterback at the end of the year, no, no matter how much promise that person had. I mean, they're seeing ghosts, and they're they're not making good reads, and they're learning bad habits if you, if that pressure continues. Like, it's, it's like Jonah Williams and four, like, beefy male strippers that don't have any work because strip strip places aren't open at this point, strip as far places. as I know. Male strip places are also hard beefy. to find. You're talking so. about steakhouses. Sure, luxury steakhouses. Um, it – I know it cost him sleep. Minshew missing that deep throw down the right sideline. I think it was to Conley, which would have potentially changed that game completely. That's just the stuff, you know, everybody misses a throw every once in a while. But the difference with for Minshew is that seemed like a setting at home against Miami where he puts together another nice performance. And it's like, okay, look at us. We're in, we're in October now. And this guy's doing it week after week. The fact that he laid down there makes puts the doubt back there. It's like, okay, is he just this guy up and down? And that is not the guy that the Jaguars are going to stick with if they have a high draft pick uh, come next spring. So yeah, I think this is a, a good test for him to see where he's at because you don't want to stack good game, two good games, two bad games. Uh, it's pretty good. It's not a bad draft pick this late. Ninety-one snaps for the Bengals defense. This is always this is my corner. I don't know if you guys know this. It's it's the which defense played an, an incredible amount of snaps the week before and are going to be tired. It's the Bengals defense. Ninety-one snaps, and the Jaguars well, have been very rested for this game. I mean, uh, okay, it's not a good Ten defense. Days rest. All right, I could buy into that. It's a good case. I mean, that Eagles Bengals game. I mean, it's it it went on for so long. And it, it, for some reason, I was tracking it on this TV over here. It's like this. This feels like um, a, like a double feature that is of no interest to the person watching it. Why is this? Why is this still happening? And then they both get to overtime and basically say, "We don't have a lot of interest in closing this out in overtime." Let's that was just terrible. Finish that was a, a terrible tie. overtime. I, I don't think Awful. I've watched a worse overtime than that. Mark, close this out. All right. Well, I'm going to go with the. Well, there's only one choice left, so it's essentially. I don't want to call it the. What's what do they call the last man in the draft, Mister uh, Irrelevant? Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be 
I think the Panthers have been in this soon, pick but... uh, almost every week. Yeah, Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, so I guess this what this would be. I don't agree that this is irrelevant because, you know, there's some interesting history to this coaching matchup. Cardinals, Panthers, Cliff Kingsbury, Matt Rule, we all <laughs> saw the stories floating around that Kingsbury, like me, thinks a lot of Matt Rule, that Matt Rule called him up when Baylor knocked out Texas Tech in a game and it got Kingsbury fired. Look where they are now. I think they're two of the more interesting coaches in the NFL. And two I want to see big how big 12 coaches just making the leap to the big game with the big salaries. That. Good for them. Look at that. I think they were making plenty of money before. They're making plenty of money now, but there's a reason they're making this money. They're making 30,000 a year before this these jobs. <laughs> I'd put like like four zeros on that and like houses and cars we don't know about undocumented. Women. But uh if if we want to talk about the game, um I think that I want to see how, how Kyler to. Murray and the Cardinals respond after last week's affair. And I think that on the Panthers' side, you're starting – everyone's like, oh, they'll go 2-14 and 14 this year. Then, then the change will happen like every other Matt Rule team. I don't care about the record. I don't think it'll be great. But I think Teddy Bridgewater is having a good season overall. The offense without Christian McCaffrey is functional. And the defense has gotten Mike a little Davis. bit better each week. A lot of coaches love Mike Davis, so I don't, I don't know what the tone of voice there is. I mean, what Mike do you mean? Davis that was a, that was a celebration of his ninety-one yards from scrimmage, Mike Davis. Okay, I thought it was just like bordering on potentially a little snarky, but um, wow. I will assume that it wasn't. But I don't know. This to no. me is an interesting matchup. I will be. This is one I won't go uh, to sunbathe in the yard, Greg. Mm. <laughs> the Panthers have been weirdly uh, <laughs> predictable. Like we kind of thought before the year, this gonna the, the offense actually will be a little frisky. It'll be better than you think. They're twentieth in in DVOA right now, so that sounds about right. Like Teddy Bridgewater, you could do a lot worse. I actually think he'll he'll play better. He's been good. I wouldn't say he's great, but he's in that like twenty to twenty five probably of, of quarterbacks. It's around where he is at PFF. That sounds about right to me. He's going down the field more, and their defense is bad. I know they made some plays last week. Brian Burns um, made a number of plays, and your boy DJ. Uh, Move the sticks, Dan. Mm-hmm. I think I should do a podcast. He loves Jeremy Chin, their safety, uh, who who made some mm. plays last week too. So they got a couple players, but I'm not really too buying into the defense being good. They're still 30th right now in efficiency. And you would think if the if the Cardinals are rolling offensively and DeAndre Hopkins has missed a couple of days of practice, this should be a game where they, they mix up that tempo. I love how they do that. They speed up and they slow down better than any team. Uh, you would think the Cardinals offense can go win this game on their own. The, uh, I would too, but then like, what, who, who would have thought that they would have been stymied by the Lions last Thursday? I haven't been that we impressed with their passing game yet this year. It's been a little erratic, and especially if Nuke um, – isn't a hundred percent or, or he doesn't play. Although he did finish that game out. So you would expect them to play that. Yeah. It's a bit of a concern. Teams that are lacking firepower in their wide receiver room, uh, messed up on Robbie Anderson. I include the jets at the top of that list. Cause I never quite understood the, the rush to get him out of the building. That's on Joe Douglas, uh, because Prashad Perryman has not been an upgrade for them so far. Robbie Anderson has been very good. In Carolina, he's been uh, a guy. He always he's always been a guy that stays healthy. There, he had been hit with a tag that he takes plays off and is maybe a little bit limited as a route runner. But I think he's really helped their offense. And uh, if you remember, he not at the level of Cam Newton, but another situation where he was just kind of sitting out there. He ended up signing a very team friendly deal, uh, and I think he has been a big lift uh, to Bridgewater. Well, haven't you always, like, as a Jets fan, had people whispering to you that he was 
not the first guy that the Jets were thinking about wanting to, you know, give big money to on a multi-year deal because he had a, some sort of I would call some knuckle point knucklehead moments. He was that, a, um, he's a he, he's been a knucklehead in the past. He had a, an arrest that was very ugly, um, but at the same time, he was always a guy that could make big plays. And when his when his salary got to the point where anybody could have had him. Um, and I think he signed two years, 20 million. Uh, it just jumped out to me that, uh, a, the jets didn't have, didn't think mm. that he was someone that could help him at that price and B that there wasn't one other team that thought, okay, maybe that was maybe Mark right. to your point, I think that the, there was off the field issues that just scared teams off. I think that di- this is another Matt rule difference is that Matt rule and Robbie Anderson knew each other very well. And there's a lot of trust between them. And I think Matt rule, like when he came on our show in the summer and just openly defended Teddy Bridgewater when we were trying to throw some Bridgewater yard per attempt stuff at him. I think he's a player's coach. And when he likes you, he's, yeah. he's going to put everything in you. And then Robbie Anderson is, it, there are players like this. If you get in the wrong system, you're going to have issues. If you're in the right system, everyone's asking why everyone, everyone else didn't sign Robbie Anderson. Big game so. for the Cardinals. Everyone talked about, like this. Is, oh, look at their schedule. They can go 6-0. and oh. Well, they lost that Lions one. Now, in the NFC West, you cannot fall behind by losing to kind of these mid-level teams. If they want to keep up in that division, you got to win games like this. All right, there you go. That is the preview of week four. A reminder that Sunday night we will recap all the games that we just previewed today. And if you've missed it, make sure you check out our Thursday night mini pod where Sessler and I break down Jets Broncos. Speaking of a roadkill game, uh, showdown at the Meadowlands. Uh, so, plenty of content uh, to enjoy. Uh, this is Dan Hansa signing off for the Quiet Storm. The old boss, Ricky Hollywood, behind the virtual glass. Until Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? 
I gotta change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.